a truth that Satan, who is our enemy, who is real and who is there, has described, been described as our accuser. I've met a lot of people in, our, in my life, both Christians and non-Christians, that say, man, you don't know what I've done. I don't really know if God can really honestly forgive me for what I've done. And so they sit, and they walk, and they live under this cloud of accusation. And the problem is, is that this is one of the only times that Satan's not lying, Right? It's truth. We've messed up. We've done some things that we shouldn't do. We are in debt. We are in over our heads. And we know this. And it's truth. What Satan doesn't tell us is that there is a way out. When I think of the way out, I think of the word medicine. We need a medicine to help us through this. And uh, I don't like medicine very much. And if you're a guy, especially, probably lots of us do, but especially if guys, a lot of us don't like medicine, right? I, I can't stand it. To be honest with you, usually if I have a sickness, I will suffer through it. I'll grit my teeth and just go through. My wife will say, hey, take this. I'm like, no way. I'm not taking that. I'm going to grit my way through whatever I got because I'm not taking medicine. I just don't want to do it. And so there's been several times in my life when I've been to the doctor and I've been sick or Something, the doctor's prescribed me something, and I'll say, you know, you can write it out, but you can just throw it away. I'm, I'm not taking the medicine. It's not going to happen. And, and uh, you know, sometimes it works, and sometimes I'm in pain, but that's just how I do things sometimes. Not a great way to do it, but that's just my life. And uh, my first time, I, I've had new, two knee surgeries. My first one was a scope. It wasn't any big deal. And so I w- it was finishing up, and it was, again, such a small little deal, and I'm sitting on the bed, and the doctor is in there. My, 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 leg, my knee's all round up, and I feel great. It doesn't hurt at all. I'm doing fine. And the doctor begins to write out a prescription for me. And my wife's right there next to me, and he says, well, this is for your pain you're going to feel later on. I said, doc, don't worry about it. Don't write it out. I won't take it. And he looks at me, and he starts kind of giggling. He laughs. Hey, seriously, that's what he did. And he laughs. He looks at my wife and, she, and laughs, and then she laughs. And then he says, well, I'm going to give it to your wife because you're probably going to want it later on. And I was like, fine, give it to her, but I'm not taking it. And so we, we're driving home that day. My wife's driving. Um, not, I wanted to drive, actually, to be honest with you. But she's driving, and uh, she says, I'm going to stop at the store and get your medicine. I said, no, you're not. I'm not taking it. We're not wasting our money on it. I'm not doing it. And she kind of laughed, and she said, okay, but if you're later on, if you're feeling sick, I'm not going to take, going to go out and get it for you. And I said, i fine. I'm not taking it. So later on that night, I'm starting to feel a little twinge in my knee. I'm like, all right, whatever. It hurts a little bit, but it'll probably be gone. And so I go to bed and about three hours later, um, I wake up. Oh, actually, my wife wakes me up because I had been crying in my sleep. Okay. I don't judge. I mean, it hurt probably. I don't, she said I was, I don't think I was crying, but she said I was crying. But she said, you were crying, Steve. What's wrong? And I said, well, it kind of hurts. And she goes, I'm, you know, you want me to go get your medicine? And I said, no, I'm not taking it. And so she goes, well, get it in the other room. So she kicks me out to go to our, our guest room. And I'm in there, and I am just, at this point, I am absolutely beside myself in pain. And I am moaning, and I'm, mo- I'm trying to hold it in because I didn't want her to win. So I'm trying to hold it in and, and stuff. And about an hour later, she comes in, and she goes, I'm going to get your medicine. This is like 4 in the morning, okay? And so she's, I'm going. 
to get your medicine. I said, don't go. I'm not taking it. But she was already out the door by the time I said that. And she goes to get it. My benevolent, wonderful, gracious, amazing, incredible wife goes and does it, what her knucklehead husband did, and goes to get the medicine. And I'm there. I am writhing in pain. By the time she gets back, I couldn't take it fast enough. I needed it. Why? Because finally I realized something, that I could not do this by myself. I needed medicine. I I wonder if in our lives, especially our, our lives as believers, if sometimes our attitude towards our sin, because we're so used to hearing the grace and the mercy of God, or used to hearing about how good God is, I wonder if sometimes we take the exact same approach to God as I did taking towards the pain in my knee. I can deal with it. I can handle it. Yeah, I know it's bad. Yeah, I know it's terrible. But you know what? I'll grip my way through it, and I'll do it. The problem is, is that there is nothing we can do to grit our way through this problem. We need God to come and heal us and heal us from our disease called our sinful condition. We need help, and we all want that. We all need that. And, you know, the reality today is we all want grace, don't we? We all need grace. We all ask for grace. You know, the, the truth is today is this, is that no one, if given the choice, would choose grace over judgment, right? But maybe we have the attitude sometimes with, in our life and how we actually live. We say, God, give me the judgment. Give me what I need. I'll take it. I'll tough it out, and I'll deserve it, and I'll do it. We wouldn't say that. We'd say, God, give me the grace I need that I don't deserve. That's what Jesus is pointing us to here in the Lord's Prayer. That sin has caused us and brought us to a place where it puts us all on the same level as debts and debtors, as landlords and renters. We have had things done to us and we've done things to others that puts us on the same place in need of forgiveness. What Jesus is saying here in verse 12, he said, when it comes to our sin problem, and get this today, you choose your own medicine. I want to give you a truth this morning, and this is even better than that. It's a truth today. It said the medicine you choose for yourself is the medicine you give others. The medicine you choose for yourself is the medicine you give others. Now, that is incredibly, incredibly challenging. Verse 12 is a paradox, isn't it? I mean, verse 12 is a, it's a tough one because this here right here says is we have to give back. We have to give what we want to keep. You need grace? Yes. You need to give grace. So do others. Give it to them. You need forgiveness? If you want forgiveness, you've got to give away forgiveness. It's interesting to note in verse, uh, in this passage right here in the, the Lord's Prayer, there's, there's seven separate ideas in the Lord's Prayer. There's seven separate things that he kind of talks through as he teaches us how to pray. Of those seven things, only one thing does he reiterate at the end of the Lord's Prayer. Guess what it is? He reiterates forgiveness. Look down a little bit at verse 14. It says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others of their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's, that's sobering stuff, isn't it? It's a challenging thing. And I read that and I think, man, that's a tough thing. And it, it, it proves a point. The medicine you choose for yourself 
is the same medicine you give out. If this wasn't enough, Jesus revisits this idea again in Matthew 18 and really brings clarity to how he's thinking when he tells the parable of the unmerciful servant. Matthew chapter 18. I'm not going to read the whole thing today. Uh, it would be great reading this week for you to do, but we're going to kind of focus in on a couple of scriptures here. And so Matthew 18, 23, where he says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. So verse 24, as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Now, I read a commentary this week that said when that word 10,000 is there, that was probably not actually a literal, actual number where he would have owed literally 10,000 bags of gold. Uh, we find that in other scripture, other, other writings of this, of this era, that the word 10,000 here was actually a word used for figurative things. So it'd be like him saying, this guy owed 10 zillion bags of gold. You know, that's kind of how it was. It was such a large, uncomprehensible number, they just threw it out there as such this amazing thing that was so big and so huge that you couldn't imagine how big it was. A.K.A. the national debt. And so, uh, you know, 10 zillion. So this guy owed this incredible amount of money. He'd never be able to pay it back. And in verse 25, or before that, uh, this, this guy, this, this, this leader, since he's not able to pay the master order that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay this debt that he could never pay back. Story goes on to say this guy uh, gets down before this leader and, and begs him on his knees and says, Leader, master, whatever, uh, you know, uh, king, I can't pay this back. Please, not this, not my family, not the situation. I'll do whatever. Please just forgive my debts. Again, remember that this guy owed an incredible amount. The Bible says that this guy here, verse, this guy was released to this debt and he was. Given the given release, and he's free, and he's gone. It's amazing. I mean, if that if the story ended here, what great news! Right? This is awesome. The guy's free. He's just released of this all this debt. It's amazing. But no, the story doesn't end there. Of course, it continues on, and then this indebted guy. We'll call him George. I'm sorry, George, but we'll call him George today. Uh, George, the indebted, does something unbelievable. I, I can't. It's it's unfathomable. This guy, George, goes and finds a guy that owes him 100 denarii, or $8,000. That's what it was, would work out to be today. He, he finds this guy and says, hey, buddy, and does the exact same thing that he had just done to the king. He said, hey, buddy, you owe me 8000 bucks. That's it. I'm coming after you. Pay up right now. If you don't, I'm throwing you in jail. Now, here's the thing about that, is that he had every legal right to do that. That's how they worked with that at this time, if you couldn't pay back, you were thrown in jail, and your family was thrown in jail, and everybody else was. And what's interesting here is that 100 denarii, or $8,000, was not $10 zillion, but it was a significant amount of money still. And if somebody owed me eight grand, I'd be like, you know what? I kind of want my eight grand back, buddy. I mean, you know, let's be honest here. I want it back. You know, I would want that. And so that's the context here. And see, there are things that have been done to us that, we, that God has expected that we offer forgiveness. And they're not small things. I think sometimes we think, well, God, you don't understand. This is not, this is a big, big deal. I don't know if I can forgive it. It's, 
situation. This scripture here tells us that yes, we have been forgiven of a lot, but we also have some debts that are owed to us that are also extremely large. 8,000 bucks is a lot. We are landlords and renters. We are debts and we owe debts and we are debtors. We are both of these things. This passage is speaking to that. And of course, this guy begged George for mercy in verse 30 says, but he refused. Instead, he went off, had the man thrown in prison until he could afford to pay the debt. Now, that is some first-rate, awful guy material. Right that's terrible. And, and, and it's this terrible. And you think, well, how could you, man? You were owed, you owed eight, ten zillion dollars, and you threw this guy in jail for eight grand? I mean, come on. How could you do that? Well, this guy's homeboy saw what he did, and so he came after him, and he told the king, and, 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 and the king called this guy George back in. In verse 32, he said, you wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt for, of yours because you begged me to. Now, verse 33, shouldn't you have done it, had mercy on your fellow servant just as I did on you? His, in his anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all he owed. And then comes a partner message to the Lord's Prayer right here and tells us the relationship of these two things in verse 35. This is how my heavenly Father will treat you unless you forgive your brother or your sister from your heart. Now that could be either the greatest news you've ever heard, or it could be the worst news you've ever heard, right? It's a challenging thing. Because some of us are walking around with bags with $8,000 in debt owed to us, and it is significant, and it's heavy, and it's huge, and we just don't know how we'll ever be able to release that debt from somebody else, even though we know we have had $10 zillion of debt forgiven, God, how could I ever possibly forgive because it is so tough? And this gives a tough thing right here. What Jesus is saying here is he's saying, this is, not, this is not some cutesy idea that, oh, I need to forgive. No, this is how we need to be living as people and as believers, to release and to forgive and to treat others with the way we want to be treated ourselves, with grace or judgment. When it comes to forgiveness, you choose the medicine that you will take. You choose the medicine you'll take, and what you choose will be what is given to other people. You choose that this morning. And Matthew 6, 12 uh, shows us two critical steps of forgiveness for us to do if we're going to be as both indebted people and debtors. Two things we need to do. The first one today is to realize that I need forgiveness. When he starts out and says, Lord, forgive of our debts, I need forgiveness. I think there's some of us that are wanting justice when we should be first, before anything else, asking for forgiveness. I've learned something in my life that, 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 that has helps me so greatly and so much is that I am left to my own devices, left to my own self. I'm not a pretty good person. I know what I'm capable of. And I may not do those things, but I know what I'm capable of. I am a sinner. I am not perfect. I know how easy it would be for me to fall and mess up. But by God's grace, as Paul says, I go and I do my life. God's grace has kept us and kept me and kept you from being the worst person you could be. That is good news. 
You see, if we lose sight of that truth, if we've gotten so religious and so far and so looking down our nose and saying, how could this person be like this when, I mean, I'm a pretty good person. I don't do that, what they do. I don't do what they do. Maybe I'm kind of bad, but there's, they're far worse. We have that mentality and that attitude. It makes it so hard for us to get, understand, live in, and walk in true peace that forgiveness can bring. You want to know what forgiveness is? Give it away. You want to know what peace is? Give that away. See, that's what Jesus is saying right here this morning, is that start out first realizing that I need forgiveness. My debt would be enormous if I didn't have Jesus. Watch out. You know, if you want to be a Pharisee, this is like Pharisee 101 right here. You want to be a Pharisee? You want to be a person that Jesus called, a, said, you, you, you den of thieves, you brood of vipers? This is how he spoke to those, those guys. How, what was their first thing they did? They looked down their nose and said, wow, I'm, I, I'm so glad, God, I'm not as bad as that person over there is. We've got to be careful in our lives and careful in our hearts that we don't allow ourselves to get to that place. I don't want to be that. God, I need forgiveness. I need it so much. And uh, it's, it's such a huge, valuable, important thing. Lord, thank you for forgiving my huge debt. If you hear me pray ever, man, I pray that all the time. I don't want to lose sight of that. I don't want to forget that. I don't want to get so stuck and so caught up in being a good person or uh, lo- loving Christ that I forget just how deeply I have been forgiven. Maybe here and say, oh, pa- Pastor Steve, I don't have a, a big testimony. I never did drugs or drank or alcohol. I never did any of that kind of stuff. So I've just been a good person all my life. But I'll tell you this morning, you are every bit as, as a sinner as anybody else is. Because that's our nature. It's who we are. If you want to forgive, first go and ask him to forgive you. Now, before we get to the second part today, there's a couple of things i gotta got to clear out here real briefly today. See, this is... Forgiveness is not a couple things. And I want to go through this today, the first thing. When we talk about forgiveness, these are common misconceptions that this is not what forgiveness is. The first thing is forgiveness is not pretending it's all okay. It's not just saying, hey, it's great, man. You messed up. You did this kind of thing. Here's my rug. I'm going to bury it under the rug. And we're going to forget about it. It's gone. And woohoo, we're all good. And, you know, and there's no problems. You know, I'm forgetting about it. I'm just walking away, pretending it never happens. That's not forgiveness. That's denial. Denial is dangerous and makes you, frankly, a little weird. And so that's not what forgiveness is. Number two, it's not letting the other person off the hook. There are and there will be consequences to actions. Okay, if somebody wrongs us, it doesn't make us a doormat to say, hey, you wronged me once, I'll forget about it, wrong me again, and wrong me again, and wrong me again, you know, over and over and over again. That's not forgiveness. God's given us a mind, and if someone continues to wrong you and does not have a repentant heart and does not say, man, I messed up, you know, you've got to be careful and walk with wisdom. And walk in understanding. It's not letting them off of the hook. It's true. It's understanding the truth that God is a far better judge than you are. He's pretty good at it. He is the just judge, and he is a holy judge. And I gotta be honest, he is way, way better at it than I am. Number three, it's not the absence of anger at sin. Jesus got angry sometimes, right? 
he got angry. He walked into the, the temple, uh, money changes, and flipped tables over. I mean, the guy was ticked. Man, you know, I mean, anger is not always sin. Sometimes things, it's okay to get angry at things. The issue here is this, and what forgiveness is, what brings us to number two, step two this morning, is that this is what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is releasing. When he says right here, as we've forgiven our debtors, forgiveness is releasing. There's something I, I, I'm, I'm, God's walking me through right now. I'll be honest with you. I'm not great at it yet, but he's walking me through it. And he's teaching me how to live my life with an open hand. And sometimes I think in our spiritual lives, in our natural lives, and just our lives in general, we want to hold things with such closed hands. We want to hold on to our money and our time and our resources and all these things. You think, wow, and I, don't, I can't give this up. I don't have enough or whatever it might be. So we, we hold on to life with, clenched, with, with deeply clenched fists. See, this is the same thing with forgiveness. But if we want to learn what life and peace and Things are all about. We've got to learn how to live with release. To live and say, God, I believe you. I trust you. God, I know your word. I love who you are. Teach me to live with an open hand and release people from my judgment. To walk my life with an open hand and release things. That's the secret. That's what life is. That's what forgiveness is. It's releasing. And I'll tell you something today. Forgiveness is not normal. It's not normal. People look at you and say, how can you forgive? And you say, I don't know. I can't do either because it's not a normal thing. It's not, people don't do this. But you know what? God's called us as believers to be different from everybody else and different from the world and do things differently. Forgiveness is one of those things. Someday I want to preach a message or a series called practical athe- or Christian atheist. And it's, it's believing in God or knowing a lot about God, but, not believe, but living and believing as if it's not true. Forgiveness is one of those areas we, let, we live like that. We know it's a good idea. We know we're supposed to do that. When you cross me, when you wrong me, well, you, better, you better watch out, right? I'm, I'm going to be hard for me to release you from this Thing that you have done to my life, I will judge, I will hold on, I will look at you across, across the well, look at you the cross eyes. That's what our idea sometimes is, and that's not what God has called us to live. I said before that, that, that forgiveness or unforgiveness is like living with a, in a place where you let the person who offended you live in your mind uh, rent-free. You know, you let them live there right next to you every single day of your life. They're there, and they just continue to pound and work and deal and just offend and deal and offend and deal. That's what unforgiveness is. So how does it look like? 300 years ago, as I close today, 300 years ago, Pastor Thomas Watson delivered this simple definition of what forgiveness is in verse 20. He was talking about the Lord's Prayer. He said this, I put it on the screen today, it's simply this. We strive against all thoughts of revenge. We will not do our enemies mischief, but wish, them well, wish, wish well to them, grieve at their calamities, pray for them, seek reconciliation with them, and show ourselves ready in all occasions to relieve them. That's what forgiveness is. That's weird. That's not normal. That's not how, it's, that's not how people operate, but that's what forgiveness is. And you know who was, as I close, you know who was good at this? David was. 
King David had, had a son named Absalom, and Absalom was, as the Bible says, was beautiful. He was, he was talented. He was all kinds of things, and, and Absalom was his son. And the Bible says that Absalom tried to stand up against David and take away all his, his money and all his, his people, and he tried to take away his power and everything, and he tried to revolt against his own dad. Now, that is some first-rate offense. Bible says that as the end of his life, when Absalom had passed away and been killed in battle, the Bible says that David simply wept. Same thing happened with King Saul. King Saul wanted David killed. He threw, spar- threw, threw sparrows, I mean, sparrows, he threw spears at him. Sparrows probably wouldn't do a whole lot of good, but, but spears would. And he threw spears at the guy, and he was, he was, I mean, he was angry at David. And David had chance after chance they get back at King Saul, and he never did. And when Saul died, what did King David do? He wept. He wept, and, and that's what happens. And how was he able to do this? See, if you look back in the scriptures, we find the story of David and Bathsheba. And I'll very brief here today, but David messed up, took Bathsheba, had, his, had her, her wife or her husband killed, and and sent out in a battle and killed him, and he had destroyed this family and this life and took it of their own. He messed up big time. The Bible says, and the Bible says that as a result of this, the prophet Nathan came to David and told him the story of a guy who had a little sheep. It was his pet sheep, and he loved this sheep and raised it as his own child. And, and, and it was a part of the family. It had a name, and it had all these things. And, and this beautiful little sheep and this king had hundreds, if not thousands of sheep. The king came after this one man who had this one sheep and took the sheep forcefully, killed it, and had it for dinner that night and told the guy about it. And David said, where is that guy? Bring him here. I want him. I'll deal with him. And Nathan said, David, you are that man. How was David able to forgive so richly and freely? David had a heart that realized and knew that before anything else, he needed to ask for forgiveness. Listen to Psalm 51. He said, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your, your unfailing love. According to your great compassion for me, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my sin. Let's skip down to verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a, a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Take your spirit from me. Restore me the joy of my salvation. Grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. No excuses for me. I'm aware of my sin. I'm aware of my need. Lord, forgive me first. Why don't you bow your head? Close your eyes. This morning, no one looking around today. As we just take some time, we'll, we'll be done here in a moment here this morning, but... I want to first ask the question today. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor Steve, I have never given my life to Jesus. I've never asked for forgiveness. I hold a heavy, heavy load. And man, I know what I've done. It's not good. I want, I've got news for you today. I don't, it doesn't matter what you've done. Jesus can give you and offer you forgiveness if you'll ask for it. So if that's you this morning, if you say, I, I'm here, I've never given my heart to Christ, but I want to today. If that's you, I want to encourage you to raise your hand, and we're going to pray over you. And I want to talk to you today. Uh, we're going to pray over you. If that's you, put your hand in the air. We're going to pray over that, and we're going to continue today in just a minute. But i got to ask the question first. I want to give my life to Jesus. Church, folks, today's your day. 
that's you, raise your hand. And I'm going to close in just a moment here this morning. One, that's you, raise your hand. Two, never, never a better chance than now. Three, four, five, close. I want you to, I want to encourage you, church, this morning. Let's just stand across this room. Let's stand to our feet today, if you would. I want to call the elders to come down front this morning and, and be ready here to pray over us this morning and, and just ask God to minister in people's lives. So if you're an elder, uh, board members as well, if you could, come on down front and just be prepared to, to help people, prepare to uh, pray for people this morning. Heads bowed, eyes closed today. Forgiveness or unforgiveness is an area and a thing that none of us can say, I've never dealt with that before. We've all have at some point in our lives. Let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes. I want to pray over you this morning. If you're here today and you have found at some point in your life it's been hard to forgive, welcome to the club. All of us have. Forgiveness is not normal, but it's a gift that God gives. I want to pray over us today and help us to learn what it means to live with open hands when it comes to forgiveness. Jesus, I lift up Bridgeview Church to you. Lord, I lift up each person here this morning. Lord, teach us what it means. Lord, teach us what it's like today. Lord, to walk in forgiveness. Lord, if there's those here this morning that God are living their life with bitterness or anger or unforgiveness or whatever it might be, Lord, touch them right now. Lord, not with a heart of, 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 of condemnation, but Lord, a heart of hope that says you can forgive. And I pray that you would challenge that person right now to make plans this week to go to that person and make it right. To make do this, this week to say, I want to forgive you. For what you've done, I'm releasing you from the response. And they may think you're weird, they may think you're crazy, whatever else. But just, tr I want to encourage you today, if you're walking in unforgiveness, make plans right now and say, God, I want to do this. And as you're making those plans, I want to pray over that right now. Jesus, I ask and I pray, as people, Lord, are thinking about, making plans about, and ask about asking people and releasing them and telling them they're forgiven, Lord, I pray she would help them to then sense and feel a heart of freedom and peace and deliverance. And we have learned to live and to walk in forgiveness. I pray this in your strong and holy name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Church, the reason why this, this passage is in the Lord's Prayer is simply this. God has called us to think about and to have forgiveness at the top end of our prayer time. I want to encourage you to pray like Jesus and say, Lord, I forgive and teach me as well that, Lord, I also need forgiveness. Our altar this week is to go out and to do those things. But if you're here today and you need prayer, maybe you say, I just don't know if I can. Our elders, our usher, our elders and our, our board members are here today. They want to pray with you. They want to listen. They want to help you. They're here for you this morning. Go to one of them. Let them know. They'll pray with you today. Church, let's walk out of here with a heart of forgiveness. Are you with me this morning? Come on now. Have a great week. God bless you. God keep you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious to you this week. Go and live like he wants you to live. Great.